Good Monday morning, folks, and hey, welcome to Live a Life by Design. I'm your host, Jimmy Williams. Man, what another great weekend we've had. This week, I want you to pick up yourself. Let's move out the door and help others. That's right. Today, we're going to talk about something that's important to every community, and that is volunteerism. And I have a special guest with me today. It is quite an honor to have this gentleman. He is very busy in his community, his state. He also has a lot of activities he does as hobbies. We're going to get to him in just a moment. First of all, this podcast, every Monday morning, to give you the news, the information, give you the motivation to be a bigger, better, and bolder you for your community. This is Jimmy Williams. Let's talk a little bit about volunteerism. A 2016 CNN report on how volunteering can improve your life, published July the 20th, 2018, discussed several factors about volunteerism by community and by state. First and foremost, which age groups are the most likely to volunteer and why? First and foremost, the study proved that people ages 35 to 44 and 45 to 54 were the highest age categories to volunteer. The lowest volunteer rates were seen among those aged 20 to 24. And that makes perfect sense. Of course, they're in their college years and trying to get their careers started. The second thing I wanted to understand is, well, which of the men or women were the better volunteer or volunteered more? The survey resoundingly showed that women were greater volunteers than men in terms of time and effort. And the next thing we looked at was the issue of education being a basis for volunteerism. Wouldn't shock you to know that those people with less than a high school diploma had the lowest number of possible volunteers in the survey. Those with bachelor's degrees and higher were of the greater number of volunteers in their state and community. And lastly, when asked why this is the case, the volunteers gave two answers. First and foremost, volunteering gave them a way to bring together two things. First, the satisfaction of doing good for other people, along with gaining something for themselves. You see, we can only grow as citizens and as people by giving ourselves to our community. Hey, I'd like to introduce now my good friend, Steve Taylor. Steve is a retired Supreme Court Chief Justice in the state of Oklahoma. Steve has been a community leader for many years. Born in a very small community in central Oklahoma, he also earned his bachelor's degree in political science from Oklahoma State University and a Juris Doctorate from the University of Oklahoma Law School. While a student at OSU, Steve was actively involved in student government and honor society and was a member of the Kappa Sigma fraternity. From 1970 to 1978, Steve served in the United States Marine Corps. After his training as an infantry platoon commander, he served as a prosecutor, defense counsel, and ultimately as a special court martial judge. He became the youngest judge in the United States Armed Forces at the age of 28. Yep, I've got the right gentleman here today to show about volunteerism and service. He was later promoted to the rank of major. 
In 2003, the Oklahoma Bar Association granted Steve the Award of Judicial Excellence. And in recent years, we're going to talk a little more deeply about this. He was recognized as Citizen of the Year in McAllister, Oklahoma, our hometown. Oklahoma State University inducted Steve into the Hall of Fame in 2007, and the University of Oklahoma presented him its prestigious Regents Alumni Award in 2009. At that time, Steve became the only person ever to receive the highest alumni recognition of both Oklahoma State University and the University of Oklahoma. Steve serves on the Board of Visitors of the, United, of the University of Oklahoma College of Law and was named to the OU College of Law Hall of Fame in 2017. Justice Taylor is a board member of the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. He serves on the Board of Directors of the Oklahoma Medical Research Foundation and is chairman of the Oklahoma City National Memorial, as well as a trustee of the Oklahoma State University Foundation. Today, he dedicates a tremendous amount of his time to serve and volunteer as the chairman of the Pewterball Foundation in our city. In 2007, Oklahoma's centennial year, Oklahoma Magazine named Justice Taylor as one of the 100 who shaped us. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like for you to recognize a great man. Let's call it my friend, Steve Taylor. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Jimmy. Hey, you know, you come from a big city of Henrietta, Oklahoma. That's where I was born. You know, I lived there till I was four and then moved to McAllister. You know, you come from a pretty heralded city for people that are Hall of Famers. Uh, yep. <laughs> I recognize two of them just come to mind. I call them the Cowboys of Henrietta. Uh, one, Mr. Jim Shoulders. He's in the National Cowboy Hall of Fame as a rodeo announcer. Yep. And then, of course, everyone can remember Troy Aikman. Dallas Cowboys, three-time MVP of Super Bowl, as well as now in the NFL Hall of Fame. You're in pretty good company, I would say. I, I would say so. And I've known Jim Shoulders. All, I knew him all my life because he was a friend of my father and grandfather. So uh, he's, a, he's a great man and put Oklahoma on the map. Well, let me ask you this. Give me a little short background of your four years, if you remember. What what happened in Henrietta to get you started on a life of volunteerism? Well, I don't remember much about that, except that Henrietta, my mother was born there. My grandfather was the Ford dealer there for 37 years. My dad started his career with Southwestern Bell there. Um, so, you know, and even after we moved to McAllister when I was four, I was back in Henrietta often uh, because of my grandparents living there. So it's it's a, an important part of my life. Absolutely. We all have to start somewhere, right, yep. Judge? That's right. So let me ask you this. You, you grew up from Henrietta, moved to McAllister, and may I say, folks, back then McAllister was the big city compared to Henrietta. Yes. A nice 40-mile city southward of Henrietta. How did you determine you wanted to be a a lawyer and and most recently a a judge or justice? Well, uh, the McAllister Public Schools were an important part of my growing up. Uh, And particularly by the time I got to McAllister High School, I was involved in speech and debate. And uh, I knew then that I wanted to be a lawyer. I... uh, at that time, the McAllister High School was downtown. 
uh, just a couple of blocks from the courthouse. And I would frequently, uh, after I got out of school at three o'clock, I would walk down to the courthouse and go into the courtrooms and watch trials. And then at five o'clock, walk down to the telephone office and go home, ride home with my dad. Uh, so I knew in high school, I wanted to be a lawyer. Well, that's uh, that doesn't surprise me. So, for those of you who don't know Steve, I, I consider him a very dear friend and a and a pretty much a mentor to me on public service and volunteerism. But that doesn't shock me at all that you knew what you wanted to do in life. So, so let me ask you this: who who are or who were your mentors uh, as you were becoming an attorney and a judge? Who who would you say gave you the most benefit in your career in terms of guidance? Uh, well, my speech and debate co- debate coach at McAllister High School, Virginia Kaplinger. I give her a lot of credit for teaching me to uh, think on my feet, uh, to be an advocate. Uh, So uh, Virginia Kaplinger, uh, and then mentors, you know, lucky growing up in McAllister to have uh, George and I and Carl Albert from McAllister and for whatever reason, they both took an interest in me when I was in high school and uh, mentored me and I had an opportunity to spend time with them and they influenced me greatly toward public service and government and public policy uh, and law school. Uh, so those were people in McAllister that made a difference in my life. So you mentioned two gentlemen there, which I hold in very high esteem as well. And one of those being the little giant can you tell us a little bit about Speaker Carl Albert that really influenced you? Well, uh, he was a, a debater, high school debater and college debater. And uh, uh, he uh, just, uh, I, I looked at him as a, as a role model uh, because of his interest in government and public policy and had achieved from... Growing up here in McAllister in Pittsburgh County, ended up being uh, Speaker of the House two different times, second in line to the presidency. Uh, And at one point in the history of the United States uh, uh, during the Watergate days, uh, he uh, not only second in line to the presidency, but uh, somewhat as Speaker of the House, somewhat in control of whether he became president of the United States. He could have sat back and slow played the confirmation of Gerald Ford uh, as vice president. He could have been selfish and put himself in a position to be president, but he was not. He, he believed in the constitutional process and the rule of law. Absolutely. And, and for those that don't know the history of Speaker Albert, there's tremendous books written on him, one of which I have in my library called The Little Giant. Yep. And he had such a great love for education, as I know you do, as well as me. Uh, Speaker Albert was always so kind. Now, he was aged in his years and retired when I was a young man coming to uh, McAllister. Uh, and, uh, but I did get to meet him on a few occasions. He signed and autographed my book that he uh, had written. And uh, I will tell you, he most impressed me with his investment in people that he did believe that the process and due process of law was the underpinning of a civilized society yep wonderful 
You talked about another gentleman now, uh, George Nye. Let me give a little background to our listeners there. George Nye is uh, the son of McAllister, as we call him here. Grew up down here at a little grocery store area where he worked on South 6th Street, as I recall him telling. And uh, he has spoken at several events. And and if you haven't had a chance to meet Governor Nye, those of you listening, uh, great man, a great leader in our state. Uh, What do you like about Governor Nye that uh, you could tell our people that might be funny? Well, he's he's just a a man of the people. Uh, 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 I I became close with him when I was in high school and uh, followed him around and worked in his governor campaigns. And uh, then he ended, he, in 1984, he started me on my way to the career that I loved, and that is he appointed me to the bench in 1984 to a vacancy on the district court here in Pittsburgh County. Um, and I, you know, credit him for giving me my start uh, in the judiciary. But he's just been a great friend of mine, close friend. I just talked to him last week. He's 90 years old. I had him here a couple of months ago as the commencement speaker at McAllister High School. And he's 90 years old, and the Expo Center in June is hot as can be, and everybody's in sweating, and he's, you know, 90, and he's getting up to the podium. And then when he gets up in front of a crowd, he just turns into uh, George and I and gave a wonderful speech, and uh, everybody in the crowd was thinking, how's this 90-year-old guy standing there giving a speech in this hot uh Expo Center. Well, that's just George and I. You know, Governor Nye, I'll tell you, has left an indelible mark on our state in terms of how service to the people can benefit all people. He didn't do the service for himself, did he, Judge? No, no. He's a, he, he, he's not a wealthy man. He's not ever uh, traded his political uh, uh, office for any kind of uh, monetary gain. He's uh, uh, really as you said, a man of the people. He loves people. and You know, one of the things I love about Governor Nye, and you, and you mentioned Speaker Albert and so forth, was the fact that they even, after their careers in politics or in, in Governor Nye's place, he was actually a president of one of our local universities in the state of Oklahoma. Yep. He, um, he continued his public service. I'm going to visit with you a little bit about that. So now that you've and I hate the word retirement. We on our uh, Live a Life by Design podcast, Judge, we actually use the word refirement. And you truly, am, in my opinion, uh, emblazon that in your life. Uh, tell me about some of the things you're doing now. Well, when I retired from the Supreme Court, uh, I I had a plan that, that I was going to uh, be involved in things that are of interest to me. And so now I'm... Uh, much involved at the Oklahoma City National Memorial, commonly called the Bombing Memorial. Uh, my relationship to that is that I presided over the state trial of the bombing case, the Oklahoma City bombing case. I'm chairman of the board there now. It's a two-year term, and I'm much, much involved there on almost a daily basis with some uh, uh, issues that come up in running a museum and memorial. Uh, I'm involved at the Oklahoma Medical Research Foundation because they are um, a premier 11th largest uh, private medical research foundation in the country, Uh, something a lot of people in Oklahoma don't realize all the work that 
happens at medical Oklahoma Medical Research Foundation. I volunteer at the uh, University of Oklahoma College of Law a couple of days a month. Uh, I don't call it teaching, but I lecture in classes at the law school. Chairman of the Pewterball Foundation here in McAllister. Um, it, it, it's amazing how busy you can be when you work for free. <laughs> uh, I, 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 there's a great demand on my time because I am working for free, but I, that was my plan is uh, I'm in good health, God, thank God, and 70, nearly 70 years old, but my plan when I retired from the Supreme Court was to come home and, and uh, live in McAllister, but be much involved. I spend probably two, two, three days a week in Oklahoma City kept my apartment in Oklahoma City because it's cheaper than having a hotel room as much as I'm there uh, with the law school and medical research foundation and National Memorial and Thunder Games. Uh, my son's manager of team operations for the Thunder, so I'm at every Thunder game. So uh, life is very busy. Uh, it's you, I didn't retire to uh, slow down. It's probably busier than I was when I was on the Supreme Court. I would say so. I tell you, you made me tired just sitting here telling me all those activities. But I, I do want to know for our, our subscribers and listeners here today that I didn't as well pay Justice Taylor to come here. He's here under his own free will. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this Everything I do these days is free, and that's why I'm staying so busy. Absolutely. But but if you think about it, let's talk about the why you volunteer. And you've told us where. Why do you volunteer? Why I, is it so important to you? It, it really... Uh, it's it's essential to me, uh, to my life. I mean, it's, uh, and I don't mean to sound anything other than just a, I'm just a guy that who likes to, to be involved in the community. I am vitally interested in public policy, always will be. And when I say public policy, I'm talking about government and the private sector in ways that the, that public policy can affect the lives of people. Um, and so that's the, that's the theme of everything I do is uh, in some way or another affecting public policy toward making life better for, for uh, citizens. That That's a great reason. Now, you've mentioned a lot of activities. You are a very, very busy person. So tell me, what's your daily routine to maximize the efficiency and use of your time and energy? Well, I'm a real creature of habit, uh, obsessive compulsive in some ways, probably. Uh, I'm up early in the morning. I, I, I exercise, I believe, and uh, I used to run, but I'm nearly 70 years old, and I've kind of decided that running is... Uh, I need to slow that activity down. So now I walk and I, I walk at least five miles a day um, outside. I don't like treadmills. Um, so I'm out walking uh, in the mornings. Uh, I go to the Pewterball Foundation office nearly every morning uh, because I'm involved in the investment of the of the funds of the, the endowment. And so I watch the markets and uh, keep track of our investments. And then, um, uh, I'm, uh, 
on the road a lot because I'm in Oklahoma City so much with the law school and with, well, the law school's in Norman, but Oklahoma City's headquarters when I'm doing all that work, and the Medical Research Foundation and the uh, bombing uh, museum and memorial. Uh, and then I'm at the Supreme Court a lot. I'm retired, but uh, I'm still there very often uh, with my, I call them my brothers and sisters, the justices on the Supreme Court. You become very close because you work together. And so I'm there uh, all the time, just uh, uh, visiting and I'm still researching and keeping up with the law. Uh, because from time to time a retired justice is called on to to be helpful to the court in sitting on a case when they need a ninth vote if somebody's recused. So uh, I'm just, uh, I have to be involved and my routine is just to stay busy. I have a hard time uh, sitting. I understand. And, and you brought up several items that we espouse in Live a Life by Design. You talked about habits and you mentioned maybe obsessive compulsive disorder and some of those. Uh, I know you're joking about that, but I tell you, I do take my morning routines, my evening routines. What it does for us as individuals, it makes us less taxing on the thought process because you go through the same routine daily of getting prepared for the day, uh, maybe shutting down for the day. That's what I understood from that discussion with you. Yep. Yep. That's yeah, so the end of the day is important also because after I've been busy all day, uh, I have a routine at night that I. I, I, uh, I, I read some, but I'm also uh, uh, in the evenings uh, watching TV. Uh, I'm a creature of, I'm a news junkie. Uh, some people are sports junkies. I'm a news junkie and a, and a politics junkie in that I follow public policy and government and politics. I keep up with it very in much detail. And so in the evenings, that's when I uh, uh, fill up on news and politics and government and keep up with current events. Well, then in the last three days, you may have had way more than oh, you I've, cared for. I'm, on in, TV. Oh, I'm in overload after, <laughs> after the midterm elections. I'm in total overload. I tell you, one of the things that I love about our country is that the process works, Justice. Yes. It, it works, but we have to all be diligent and go out and vote. You won't hear me say it once. You'll hear me say it a dozen yeah. times. Go exercise your right to vote. Let's talk just a little bit then about your career in volunteerism. Now, putting aside your career, active career that you had made as a, as a justice and a judge, let me ask you about your career in volunteerism. What's been the most fulfilling event that you can recall in your many years of volunteering uh, in your life? What would be the most fulfilling? Well, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know of any one thing. I think my work with the Pewterball Foundation, and that's been going on for, for uh, 25 years. Uh, the Pewterball Foundation, which is a local private uh, foundation here in McAllister uh, has uh, uh, <laughs> it affects the community. I mean, it's a, it, it, we give away a lot of money, and in this world, money makes things happen. And so, I guess the most fulfilling thing is all of the. Uh, I work hard to make sure the endowment is growing. 
but uh, we're giving away, uh, in my 25 years on the Pewterball Foundation, we've probably, we've given away 15, 20 million dollars. And I, I see where that goes to schools and hospitals and re medical research and scholarships and higher education. That's the most fulfilling, I think, is that we've really, the Pewterball Foundation's made a, a difference. And it's a, because of the legacy of uh, Jay Garfield Pewterball, the, who, who funded the uh, original endowment. Uh, so I, I don't like to talk about money, but um, uh, giving away money makes a difference. It makes it, a it, it, big it, difference. It, it lets all these organizations and institutions uh, thrive. And for example, the McAllister Public Schools, we've made a huge difference for the McAllister Public Schools, giving them money that they would normally not have. Uh, so that's th that makes me feel really good. I would say uh, for those listening that uh, Justice Taylor's been a little bit modest. Without the impact of J.G. Pewterball's family and, and, and foresight to look to see what he could do to leave a lasting impression. You see, he was living his life by design, right, Steve? Oh, no, no doubt about it. That was a truly a man of, of uh, habit and design. So let me ask you a hard question now. We've talked about your, your storied career, your background in the United States Marine Corps, and that in itself is a pretty good background right there. Not too many friends of mine that I know uh, have come through the United States Marine Corps. Well, it's, it, I will say it, the, 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 the discipline and the rigor and the, and the tradition of the Marine Corps uh, is a huge impact in, on my life. In, in my life. I, uh, today, I still refer to myself as a Marine, uh, even though it's been a long time since I was on active duty. Uh, the Marine Corps changed my life in a lot of ways uh, and instilled in me determination, discipline, and really the attitude that I can do anything I want to do. Uh, but uh, there's, there's tremendous tradition with the, with the Marine Corps, and uh, I'm very proud of that. One word that I'm going to add to what Steve has said about the Marine Corps, just in the friends of mine that have served and family members, I'm going to put one word in there that we believe here at Live Life by Design really defines us as individuals, and that's honor. One thing they instill in you is honor. Uh, no doubt. From the Marine Corps. No doubt. So here's my difficult word for you then. If you weren't a lawyer or a judge and you didn't have that as a career, Putting all that aside, what would you have chosen in your life uh, to to serve your family as well as your community? What would be a career choice? Well, this will probably sound strange, but uh, if I had not gone into the law, and this will really sound strange, but it's the truth. If I'd not gone into the law, I probably would have gone into the car business. As I probably would have been a car salesman. Now, give me a little background now, on you, that. Now, can you believe, you know... <laughs> My grandfather was the Ford dealer in Henrietta for 37 years. And then when I was uh, in undergraduate school and law school, I worked for the uh, Oldsmobile Cadillac dealer here in McAllister, Bud Little, on Quality Olds Cadillac. And I worked six or seven summers at the car dealership. Uh, I made good money. 
I got to be with people, and I'm a people person, and there's nothing that can, you know, really test you than to be out on a hot car lot in July trying to sell a used car to somebody. <laughs> and so I learned more in those summers on at the car dealership about people than I probably ever would have learned anyplace else. And I loved it. And I'd grown up as a little kid at my, where my grandfather had the Ford dealership. Um, and there was just something about the car business and working with people. And so it's a strange answer for a Supreme Court justice to say, <laughs> if he hadn't been a Supreme Court justice, he'd been a car salesman. But I probably, if I hadn't gone to law school, I probably would have ended up somewhere or another in the car business. Well, I could certainly see that. And so for, for many of us that have seen you in your role uh, as a district judge here locally, as a speaker, as a Supreme Court justice, we can see how you understand how your role as a trier of fact impacts lives. And so I think by understanding people from that car oh, lot, you got a, a real understanding of oh, how people There's function. no doubt I learned more about people. And I carried that with me those summers that I worked at that car dealership. I carried what I learned about people and working with people. I carried with me all my life and into the courtroom. Wow. So, but now let me make sure you're not saying that we're going to see a Taylor Chevrolet GMC dealership anytime no soon. No chance. No chance. <laughs> oh, man. So, you mentioned something earlier. You have uh, one son, a, a great young man. I got to tell you a quick story on him. Uh, your son, Wilson, was at the Oklahoma City International Airport. And uh, I was coming back from a speaking engagement uh, that I'd had in California. And I'm down in baggage claim, and, and I see a young man there, and I said, boy, I know that boy. So I walk up to him, tap him on the shoulder. He's with some gentlemen that I'd say were at least six, eight to maybe seven feet tall, Judge. And there, of course, he stands out. He's not quite that tall. And I, uh, I tap him on the shoulder, and I say, Wilson, how are you doing? And he turns around, and just as true to his parents as anyone could be, he said, Mr. Williams, I'm doing well. How are you? So I'm very proud of your boy. Tell me a little bit more about what he's doing to serve his community uh, through the thunder. And he, uh, he, and he started off as an intern, but he's been with the team for 10 years. Started off, he, he got his uh, undergraduate degree in business at Oklahoma State University, and then he got a master's degree in athletic administration at OSU. And then he started off as an intern 10 years ago with the thunder when they came to Oklahoma City. And he's worked his way up. He's now the manager of team operations for the Thunder, which is basically logistics. It's uh, equipment, travel, taking care of the players on the road. Um, so he travels with the play with the team and looks after the players and handles equipment issues and logistical issues. Uh, and all of his friends are all very tall. Yes, <laughs> I noticed that immediately. I, I'm not sure, but uh, maybe you and I could help the team a little if we maybe sat right behind them at court seats. Would that be helpful, you think, for us uh, to cheer them on? I've tried that, and it's a pretty good, pretty good gig. <laughs> yes, it is. So let me ask a couple other things before we uh, close out this interview. At the end of the day, one thing I've known about Justice Steve Taylor for our listeners is that you're a man that exhibits one of the qualities that I find very rare in public service nowadays. Uh, I wouldn't say that you're old school, but I would say to you that you approach public service and your volunteerism much different. And the fact that I admire most about you is humility. Uh, how do you stay humble in this day and age? Um, 
Gosh, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't view myself. I don't think of myself that way at all. Uh, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm humbly answering your question that I don't know. Uh, I don't view, I don't see myself that way at all. Uh, maybe some of it goes back to just standing on the car lot in the hot summertime in July, earning, trying to make money to go to college. Um, but, uh, as a judge, uh, you know, the 33 years I was a judge, I had control over a lot of things, and so I never worried much about um, being something other than humble because uh, I, as a judge, I tried to realize and remember that everybody in my courtroom, for me, it might be a routine case. But for the people in my courtroom, it's very likely the most important day in their life. Criminal case, civil case, divorce case, whatever the case may be. And so I tried to keep in mind that uh, all the years that I was a judge, that how I was going to affect someone's life. It, 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 it didn't cause me to not decide cases based on the rule of law, but I always had that factor in my mind about how is this going to change lives. Um, and I let that at least be, uh, the guardrails of, uh, the decisions that had to be made. Well, very admirable trait, I assure you. And, and, and one that I know you don't think about cause it just comes natural to you. But I will tell you, those of us that are around you on a day-to-day basis, uh, see it uh, quite boldened. And I do want to bring up just a little story, if I may, uh, Justice. I don't want to embarrass you, but there was a, a little sneaky do we pulled over on you a few years ago here in our city. And uh, we were trying to honor then District Judge Steve Taylor for his many volunteer hours and things that he had done for our community. And and uh, Judge Taylor and I share the stage a lot locally in helping with uh, civic events and, and volunteer in areas where we can serve as MCs or announcing and, and helping with the, any of these activities. Well, Judge Taylor, uh, for years, had served as an MC for this one organization and uh, the year came that they had asked me to serve in that role. And uh, to be very honest with you, I was a little nervous because you'd always done that and I always deferred to him. He's very, very excellent at that. So what we had to do, uh, Judge, is we had to kind of pull a, a sneakeroo on you. And what we did is we involved as a co-conspirator your lovely wife, Mary. Do you remember this? I do. I do. <laughs> did did Mary get you to the appropriate location on time? She did. I was I showed up uh, and uh, then y'all pulled the good one. There, that was the only time that I had ever seen uh, Justice Taylor embarrassed, and the only reason he was embarrassed is because we did catch him off guard. Now, what we gave him that year was such an honor that he well deserved and had earned many years earlier. And that was the Citizen of the Year Award here in McAllister. How'd that make you feel that day? Uh, humble. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you, I, you just don't. I don't. I just don't see myself that way. So it was like, oh, okay, this is very nice, but um, unexpected. Well, again, folks, you heard it right here. The humility just shines through on Justice Taylor. So I'm going to finish this interview with just a couple last questions. What does the next phase of your volunteer career look like, Justice Taylor? Uh, 
Well, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, I all of this volunteer work that I do, and really for my whole life, uh, everybody you know everybody needs to figure out in their life what makes them happy and a, sort of a calling. And it reminds me uh, when I was when I was a young I, I, high school or college. The minister at the Methodist church where I attend here in McAllister, he, he was talking about we all have a calling, and he uh, he said something I'll never forget. Uh, he defined calling is the as an intersection when your interests intersect with the needs of the community and at that intersection you find your calling and I always that always has motivated me that you know what am I interested in and what does the community need and if my interests and the needs of the community intersect that's where I need to be that intersection so that's what I'm going to keep on doing uh, for as long as I'm able uh, during my retirement is to find places where I have an interest that uh, might help some way with the community. I don't go out looking for things to do because if it's something that I am not interested in or something that would be boring or tedious, I will not do it. The only thing I do in the way of volunteer work is what is interesting to me. And that may sound selfish, but it's the only way it I can be motivated. That's a great tagline, and, and and you and I have not rehearsed this at all today. This is just live, if you will. And I'm going back to quote a great Oklahoman that I know you know that grew up here as Indian Territory, by the way. We named an airport uh, after him in Oklahoma City that I just spoke of a few moments ago. Uh, Mr. Will Rogers, by the way, a great entertainer. During the 30s, probably the most popular of entertainers yep. uh, in the world at that time. He had a statement that leads right into what you're talking about, about finding the passion that you enjoy, something that's not tedious or, or something that you don't enjoy. You want to be in, a, in that realm we call unique ability. You want to be in the realm of doing what you love to do. Will Rogers said this, if you want to be successful, it's just this simple. Know what you are doing, love what you are doing, and believe in what you are doing. Wouldn't that sum you up? That's, uh, that's, a, that's, that's a great... Uh summary of what everybody ought to be interested in for their own uh, for their own life professionally and otherwise absolutely first and foremost thank you uh, wonderful wonderful time here this morning I know you've got a lot to do you've just given us a detail of things you've got to do today as well thank you Justice Steve Taylor retired Chief Justice for the Supreme Court of Oklahoma Steve Taylor an excellent excellent program today thank you for joining us well, you can get a complete transcript of today's show online at livealifeby.design. If you like the show, please tell your family and friends about it. Also, we would be very appreciative if you would leave a review of the show wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been a Life Master Key production. The production is copyrighted by Jimmy J. Williams and Company, all rights reserved. Our recording engineer is Happy Design Company. Our production assistant is Amy Cotton. And now for next week... Go find something you're passionate about in your local community, volunteer, 
perhaps the change that you see in the lives around you will also be seen by the one in the mirror. Until next time, live a life by design. Thank you.